Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Hey, uh, shout out to our production and creative team. Can y'all give it up for them? Man, they do such a good job every year. And so, uh, man, we're... we're <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, We're excited to be back with you guys today. Hey, listen, uh, Pastor Dan did a great job last week talking about the Dream Again series, and we're on Super Bowl Sunday, and as we were preparing for today, uh, man, what God kind of put on my heart uh, for for Super Bowl Sunday, it just fit with the Dream Again series. How many guys has your life genuinely been impacted by this Dream Again series, and it's done something great for you? Awesome. So we wanted to just like, we're going to take today and put it right into the slot, and so uh, we're going to kind of pick back up with some of that story. And so if you're new, I'm Brad Livingston. I'm the lead pastor of this crazy church, and, uh, and we are so glad that you're here today. And so we've been talking about Joseph and this story of Joseph and, and how uh, as he, if you follow the story, he starts out uh, in this crazy place where he's his father's favorite, and then he gets his coat of many colors. He gets put in a pit uh, by his brothers who hated him, and then he ends up, uh, because he gets put in the pit, they get sold into slavery goes to the palace and he ends up second in charge to uh, to Potiphar. Then Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape and then he gets thrown in prison, right? And then once he's in prison, he he uh, like looks at some dreams for a couple of people, interprets those dreams. And as he interprets those dreams, uh, long and short is he ends up back in the palace, second in command of Pharaoh. And he's he has all this control. And, and so he's he gives back into power and, and then what inevitably has to happen after he gets into power. Now you think about it, he's his father's favorite. He's riding high on the mountain, right? Then he gets thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. Now he's low, right? But then he gets uh, sold to Potiphar where he gets put second command of Potiphar's house, man. That's like, even though you're in slavery, like that's pretty high for him. So he's riding the mountaintop. Then he gets accused of rape and put in prison and then he's back down. And then all of a sudden he interprets a dream and he gets put back on top of the mountain again. And what we talked about through this Dream Again series is this idea that for many of us, man, for many of us, that's kind of how life feels, isn't it? You're here and then you're here. Then you're here, then you're here. You get the job you wanted, then you get fired right? Or things are going well for you. You finally found the perfect person to date, um, but then you find out they're crazy, right? So like there's, there's, life is full of ups and downs. And so we were talking about this story of Joseph, how his story kind of looks like that. But then in the end, what happens is he, he actually ends up designing because he gets favor from God. He ends up creating a system that would help the entire land be able to uh, last and endure a, a famine that is coming. And inevitably, guess who has to come get food from him when the famine hits? His brothers. And so we come full circle with his brothers are the one that sold him into slavery in the beginning that kickstarts this roller coaster of life for Joseph. And inevitably, um, it comes full circle. And so he had a promise. I mean, Joseph had a promise. He trusted the Lord. And so, uh, but one of the things that I think is important is how many guys have ever experienced something in your life and you're like, man, I need to learn from that. Anybody ever had a, a learning experience? You're like, man, I'm going to learn from them. I'm not going to let this happen again, right? And so what happens is we, we inevitably come to seasons of our life where we have to learn from the last time, 
right? And in sports, we have this thing. uh, I'm a basketball player, and uh, I was much more of a basketball player uh, before I became an adult. Now everything hurts when I get out of bed. But even though when we would play in sports, um, and if you're an athlete, you know this phrase, right? We would have these moments where things were, uh, where you knew you should have won a game, right? So you and your boys are playing uh, another group of guys, and and you play, and the game doesn't go the way it should have. Like, you miss a shot, or you had a couple bad runs, and, and you know you should have won. And since there's nobody next in line, you use a phrase, right? And, and for where we come from, y'all ever heard the phrase, run it back? Where the athlete's at? Now, we've got to run that back, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of us would use the phrase, like, run it again. Like, no, 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 we've been, we've been to run that again. Why? Because it's like, that didn't go the way it was supposed to go. Like, I know we should have won that, so we don't need to run that again, right? And I saw a video recently that I was like, oh, man, talk about running again. Uh, this dude epitomized. He, he can put the stamp on what it looks like to run it again. So we got a video for y'all to watch real quick. Have a look at this from Kev on stage. Pray like the prayer you pray when you swipe your debit card and them little black dots are deciding if you have the money or not. Now you swipe by faith, but not by sight. You're not sure if that's gonna work. Because when they swipe that little card, you start praying, Father God, in the name of Jesus, touch this transaction right now, God. I decree and declare that this burger is mine in the name of Jesus, Father God. Huh? Y'all don't hear me today. I need you to confuse the enemy, Father God. Let this transaction go into heaven, approve, and come back before they can decline it on earth, Father God. Yes, sir. Trick the enemy, Father God. Let it go into somebody else's account. And let it be digested in my stomach before they realize their mistake. We thank you and we praise you. I did all that, opened my eyes, and he was like, declined. So I got mad. I start praying harder. How dare you decline me? You don't have the authority to decline me. I'm a child of the king. Run it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He is my father. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. One of those cattle died so that they might have burger and burger more abundantly. Run it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is the two RB patties. He is the special sauce. He is the lettuce, the onions, and the cheese. He is the yeast that raised the bread. Run it again now. I'm claiming it. machine is healed in Jesus' name. Milkshakes are flowing. McFlurries are flowing. Sundays. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, run it again. Come on, you can do better than that. Run it again. So I want to talk to you today about run it again. Because here's the thing, y'all. Here's the thing. In all honesty, I think far too many of us have given up on a dream just because it didn't work out the first time. Because that because your relationship didn't work out with so and so, you just every relationship you go into from now on already starts off on a bad foot. Because your business adventure you went into the first time didn't work out, every business adventure you go into from now on starts off on a bad foot. And I believe what God wants to tell us today is that for some of you, actually I would say for all of you, there is an area of your life where God is saying, listen, I know it didn't work out the way you wanted to last time, but we need to run it again. 
We need to dream again. We need to look at what I'm going to do in your life again. I know you feel like that didn't go the way you wanted it to, but it went the way I needed it to so you could get to where I'm taking you so that you could have an opportunity to run it again. Which is why you need to understand the first point. When you feel like you've lost, don't worry. Just run it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, run it again. When you feel like you've lost, don't worry. Just run it again. And here's the best part is when you feel like you are stepping into seasons of your life where you don't know how you're going to make it, when you feel like you're stepping into seasons of your life where you are so confused, where you feel like you've just lost and you've lost and you've lost, I'm here to tell you that although you may feel like there's no hope, God can restore every dream, every bit of hope, every bit of faith. He can bring you from wherever you are, whatever hurdles you have to overcome to get back to where God wants you to be, he can do it in your life. Because he's faithful in our life. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It, it talks about this. It talks about runners. And I'm going to let y'all know I'm not one. And I have no problem with that. Y'all know people that run for fun? Psychos. Y'all crazy. I'm only running if something's chasing me. And if I can't kick the person next to me to make sure that whatever's chasing me gets them first, you know what I'm talking about? Then it's a soft jog. Anyways, but the Bible talks about running, right? It's talking about running again. Do you not know? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you not know? In other words, man, don't you know this? That in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Then he keeps on going and he says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And listen, this is where a lot of us are at. Because it didn't go the way we wanted it to last time, we're more drifting through life than we are dreaming through life. We're more just kind of floating through and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Let's just hope not too many bad things happen and let's hope some good things happen. And God is saying like, no, no, no. Or Paul's saying here like, no, we don't need to run aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. And he's saying that I don't let the sin dictate my life. I don't, lack a lack, I don't let a lack of dream dictate my life. He says, so that after I've preached to others, I myself would be disqualified for the prize. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to tell everyone how to do all the things they need to be doing, but then not do the things I need to be doing. And how many of us, is that not exactly what it looks like in our life? We got recommendations for everybody else, but we don't listen to our own advice. Man, what you really need, God, man, God's got you. You looking in the mirror, you need to start telling yourself God's got you. You look at everybody else, man, you just have some faith, and the Lord's going to come through for you. And sometimes we need to look at ourselves and say, you know what, it's time we have some faith that God's going to come through for us. And so he steps into that space and God is telling us, man, it's time to dream again. It's time to move again. It's time to get going again. Proverbs 21, 5 says this, that the plans of the diligent, say diligent. That doesn't mean haphazard. The plans of the diligent, that doesn't mean spontaneously when you feel like it. How many guys know it doesn't work well when we live in our feelings? How many of you know that you rarely feel like doing the right thing? How many, listen, I'll tell you, I'm not going to lie to you. 
I've been doing this 5 a.m. thing for a while now. And so I got up the other day to go jogging, walking, jogging, walking with a little bit of jogging. Anyways, that's not the point. I got up the other morning. I did my 5 a.m. routine, got up. Because when I went to bed, it was like 52 degrees. And so I got up the next morning. I was like, surely it's going to be like 48, 50. You know what I mean? Like, no, no big deal. So I got dressed. I was going to go outside, go do my exercise, you know, because I'm, I'm owning 2020, y'all. It was 36 degrees outside. I made it two steps into my front porch. I said, yes, nope. <laughs> Here's the thing. That day, I let my feelings overcome my goals and my dreams. And how many of us aren't making plans of diligence? We're making plans of emotion. If I feel like it, then I'll. And God said, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to have enough faith. I want you to stand strong. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And so here's my question to you. What are some areas of our life that we can change when we run it again? Because how many know there are some things we need to change? Can I, can I get an amen on that? Can we acknowledge whatever didn't work last time, we need to learn from last time? Right? If everything in you told you not to date that knucklehead and you did it anyways, and every friend told you he was bad for you, but you did it anyways, and your pastor told you not to go after somebody in the club, but you need to start looking for what God wants to be in your life first because you'll never find somebody to fulfill you until you let God fulfill the emptiness inside you. But you did it anyways. It's time that we change some plans because otherwise our life is going to look like poverty, not financial poverty. We're talking about ruins. So what are some areas that we can change when we run it again? Well, the first thing that I want you to understand is that we can't get distracted by the critics or the cheerleaders. Don't get distracted by the critics or the cheerleaders. Here's the thing. We have to recognize that we can't build our dream on the approval of the critics who never reach theirs. Hear me today. You can't build your dream on the approval of the people who gave up on theirs. Listen, if God wants to do something great in your life, we don't go looking at the people who gave up on God to be the approval and give us the stamp to say, yes, he can. Listen, faith needs to be built by the people around you who are accomplishing something in their life. Listen, you need, don't go to the person whose relationship just failed to get relationship advice on yours that is failing. You need to go to the marriage that's been there for 40 years that says, this is how we made it through. And so many times in life, we want to surround ourselves with people we feel better than so that we can compare how good we are to how good they're not. Oh, okay. I said, we surround ourselves with people that are less than us in our minds so we feel better about being us, not realizing that there are people that could cause us to become better. And it's time that we run it back. But this time, I'm not looking to people who make me look like the all-star. Listen, if I play basketball with third graders, I'm going to look great. Just dunking on kids. Seven-foot goals. Just, y'all going to remember the day. Right? But how many of y'all know if I started playing with some, some cats from a D1 college, it makes me look a lot different. You can shine around losers, but you need to surround yourself with some winners to become the winner that God wants you to be. I love who, uh, this quote by Theodore Roosevelt where he's talking about critics. 
Because how many of you know critics are annoying? And just people that talk bad all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Someone's got something bad to say. Someone's criticizing you for chasing your dream. This is what Theodore Roosevelt had to say. And I just love this quote. I'm working on memorizing it, but I ain't there yet. It says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. No, the critic or the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who At the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither death or know neither victory nor defeat. Man, there's power in those words that sometimes we're listening to the people who have never won to gauge our success. It's like, man, we don't need to listen to the critics. But at the same time, you know what you got to be careful around? the cheerleaders because they'll get you all kinds of distracted and y'all and y'all know y'all played sports high school and y'all ever done that right <laughs> like you on the sideline but the cheerleaders are doing their thing you like coaches talking you like huh Psst, hey girl right the cheerleaders can be distracting so you don't need cheerleaders but it's okay to have teammates Hear me for a second. You need to understand. See, see. here's the thing about cheerleaders. Have anybody ever watched a game and watched cheerleaders before? Anybody ever noticed? It don't matter how bad the team is playing. They're cheering like they're winning by 100 points. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, go team, go, right? It's like, listen, we lost this three quarters ago, honey. Go sit down, right? But it doesn't matter how bad you're doing. They're just, everything's fine. And you know what? We surround ourselves with cheerleaders that aren't willing to be honest with you about how bad you're doing. So you got a sin problem, you got a pornography problem, you got a drinking problem, you got a lust problem, you got a gossip problem, you got a lying problem, you got all kinds of problems just like the rest of us. The thing is, is if we surround ourselves with people that'll never acknowledge the problem, we never change the thing about us that God's trying to get rid of. See, what we need is teammates. See, I played sports, and when somebody wasn't cutting it, what do you do as a teammate? Hey, bro, you trash right now. Like, hey, pick it up. Now, sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes it's a good pat on the back of the head with force and velocity. Right? But as a teammate, here's the thing. We want them to win because if they win, we win. And you need to surround yourself with people that look at you as an opportunity to say, when you win, I win. And when I win, you win. And we don't need cheerleaders that are just going to tell you you're doing good. You don't need yes people in your life. You need people that are going to hold you accountable to the standard and the dream that God has put inside of you in your life. You need people that are going to pick you up when your head is coming down. You need people who are going to come and speak life into you when you're not speaking life into yourself. But they're also going to correct you when you need correction. And so many times we just surround ourselves with people that make us feel good, but we don't have anyone challenging on us saying, hey, don't touch that. A teammate saying, hey, don't do that. And that's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with the right people. Here's the thing. Don't live for the applause of other people. 
Because the problem is, people will eventually, if you live for the applause of other people, eventually those people will demand you do something against your character to continue to get their applause. We put it like this. Whatever puts you on top is what you'll need to stay there. So if you're at the top of your mountain when people are clapping for you, you'll do anything to get people to keep clapping for you. Even if it means going against everything that God told you to do. And we have to realize that if we're going to dream again, if we're going to run it again, we got to do it differently than we did it last time. Galatians 1.10 says this, am I, try, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hear me today. You can't please people and be a servant of Jesus. Because how many of you know society fluctuates on what is right and wrong? How many of you know culture fluctuates on what is right or wrong? So what we have to understand is we need to know that when we're going into this, man, we're going to be looking for what God wants us to do and what God wants us to be. And so what does that look like and how do we get there? That's the question, right? Well, first of all, we need to do this. We need to trust your quarterback. Now, I pulled some of these points from Super Bowl Sunday a couple years ago because I was like, man, this fits in the Dream Again series. So trust your quarterback. Who's your quarterback? Jesus. And how many of you know that there have been moments in your life where you've been in the huddle and he calls the play and you're like, you know what? That's not what I had in mind. I know you're calling for me to go long, but I feel like I need to go short. And you, we get frustrated when Jesus doesn't do things our way. Oh, there's only six honest people in here. So the rest of y'all just been good with everything Jesus has done in your life, huh? Say, so how many of y'all get frustrated when things don't go your way? Anybody ever looked <laughs> in your prayer life, looked up to heaven and be like, you know what, God, I got some suggestions on this play we about to run. Anybody ever went for an interview and said, God, I got some suggestions for how you can give me this job. Matter of fact, take me to the top, Lord. Don't even let me start as the janitor in Jesus' name, right? Like, we can walk in, but here's the, God's not always looking for our suggestions. He's looking to call the plays, and he's looking for us to execute. Psalms 9, 10 says this way, And those who know your name put their trust in you. Say trust. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who go their own way. No, that's not what it says. He says, For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Listen to me. If you're going to dream in your life, if you're going to go after who God wants you to be, you need to be seeking God for what he's leading you to do. You need to be seeking God for what he's telling you to do, the place that he's trying to take you. He's trying to speak to you. And just like with Joseph, he was leading him through all these situations in life and in the pit and then the palace and then in the prison. And and he's going through these different stages. And and I guarantee you, we can see it in the scripture. There were certain moments where he was like, "Hey, hey, hey, we need to fix this. If you look at him in prison, he interprets the dreams for the baker and the butler. And when the, when the uh, butler's going back, or the cupbearer's going back, he's saying, hey, listen, when you get there, let him know I'm not supposed to be here. See, he wasn't going to God saying, God, do what you need to do in my life while I'm here. He was going to man saying, hey, listen, I don't need to, you need to fix this. And for so many of us in our life, that's exactly where we're at. 
We're going to everyone else trying to make things happen for us. And very rarely are we going to God, who is the only one that can make things happen for us. And even, I'll even say this, when you do make something happen for yourself, how many of you have found out that it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to? It's like, man, I finally got that job. That job destroys you. I'm finally dating so-and-so. So-and-so destroys you. She rips your soul out of your chest. Because when we make things happen for ourselves, we're not looking for God, which takes us to the last part where if he's going to be the one calling the plays, then we got to run the play. Say run the play. We got to run the play. And we see the end of Joseph's story in regards to his brothers and what was happening in his life in Genesis 45. And so that's kind of where we pick up Genesis 45, 5 through 7. And so what's happening here is Joseph is standing before his brothers. And so as his brothers are standing in front of him, he starts to interact with them. So he finally shows them who he is, right? If you remember the story, uh, they get there, but when they get there, they don't notice him. It's been years and years and years since they've seen him last, and they thought he was dead. And so he's standing in front of them, and he's sitting up. I imagine, this is how I see it in my mind. Y'all got to read the Bible this way because it's so much more fun. I imagine Joseph sitting up in some big chair made out of gold. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in charge now, so I'm going to do ridiculous things. And so he's sitting up in this big chair. His brothers walk in. They're so far away that they, they can see him, but they can't really see him. You know, they can't see his face very well. And he's interacting with them. And the Bible actually says that there was a moment where he was interacting with them and he began to weep so badly that he had to leave the room. And, and so he's finally interacting with them in verse uh, 5 through 7 of chapter 45 in Genesis. And now, do not be distressed. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. Now keep in mind, his brothers were going to kill him. They throw him in the pit. They sell him into slavery, which jumpstarts this whole process of rape accusations, prison time, all this stuff. This is what he tells them. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives with a great deliverance. And man, listen, I know what it feels like to be at moments in your life where you're like, God, I, I, we need to run that back. We need to run it again. I know what it's like to experience what you feel like are genuine defeats in your life. I know what it feels like. I don't know many of your stories, but many of you don't even know mine. Some of you do. My testimony is long right next to my rap sheet. But God wants you to know something today. You see, when I look back over the things in my life, there are so many areas that I'm like, God, can I run that again? So many failures that I'm going, God, I really wish that wasn't there. So many areas where I'm like, God, I was so jacked up. So many areas of going, God, I didn't want to experience that. That hurt. But you know what I have to do is I, I got to 
think like Joseph. Because I wouldn't be standing here today telling you the good news of how God can take you from the pit and the prison to the palace and the promise. If we didn't stop and acknowledge that sometimes hurts along the way cause us to be the people that God has destined us to be. That the process of getting from where you were to where you are and the process of getting from where you are to where God's going to take you. It may some have some mountaintops and it may have some valleys. It may have some promise and it may have some pits and some prisons and it may have some palaces. But I'm here to tell you today that when we surrender to who God is making us, we can recognize and see when we get to the end of our chapter that throughout the whole thing, even though there were moments of pain, even though there were moments of pleasure, even though there were moments of difficulty, and even though there were moments of destiny, that God can take everything that's happened and work it together for our good. That he set out to do good things and plan good things for his children. That there are promises that he aims to deliver in your life and there's nothing anybody, there's nothing a brother, a family member, a cousin, an aunt or an uncle, there's nothing an abuser or an ex-husband or an ex-wife or a parent, there's nothing that anybody can do to stop the plan of God in your life. And I'm here to tell you that he's ready to release the dream. He's ready to release the purpose. He's ready to give back to you in the greatest possible measure. Why? Because he's taken you somewhere that when you get there, everyone else is going to look at your life and go, how did you get here? And you're going to say, listen, you're going to say, listen, there's been some bumpy roads. You see, the brothers, it was easy to look at Joseph and say, man, you've just been on cruise control here, huh? Up here in the palace. Joseph over there like, if y'all only knew. But he didn't say that, did he? He said, I had to be here. Because for me to get here is what it took to save your lives and the lives of everyone around us. And when you get to the top, when you get to your point where people are looking at you going, man, how did you get here? Looks like you got it made. You look back at them and go, yeah. I don't need to defend my story. For many of you, maybe you're new here. You see the joy in my heart? You would never know that my son died a year and a half ago after three years of a disease. You would never know that my brother got in a motorcycle wreck 10 years ago. We, we were convinced he was going to die. That's what doctors were saying, but God gave us something else. You would never know the series of and seasons of depression that I've gone through for the last five years. You would never know the hurt and the pain and the struggle. But you don't have to know that. Because though the journey matters, the destination is what matters. Where we are today is what matters. And I'm here to tell you today, hear me, please hear me, that you may have had a very difficult journey. No one's denying that. What we're telling you is there's a chance to run it again. What we're telling you is it doesn't matter how far in the pit you feel like you are, there's a chance to run it again. It doesn't matter if you've been to prison, metaphorically or literally, there's a chance to run it again. That God's destiny for your life is not contingent upon what other people think and do in your life. God's destiny and purpose for your life is built around the dream that he's putting in your heart. And there's no time to waver. There's no time to wonder if he can do it. If he's promised that he'll do it, he'll do it. And the journey that you go on may be difficult. The journey that you go on may be hard. But when you get to the purpose, when you get 
to the promise. When you get put up high, you know what you tell everyone? It ain't about me though up here. It's about what God has done in my life. Let me tell you how good Jesus is. Let me tell you how glorified God is. Let me tell you about what he's done in my life. When we get to the mountaintop because we got a chance to run it again, we're not gonna hang our heads low in defeat. We're gonna point to the king of heaven in victory and proclaim how good he is because he's good church and he's for us. He is not against us. Let's pray today. God, we thank you. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you carry us. We thank you that God, it really, there's nothing that happens outside of your sovereign will, desire. We thank you, God, that you are in control of our lives. And God, although our journey may have taken us on roads we don't understand, we thank you that in your sovereign grace, we got a chance to run it again. And so God, I pray right now over every person that is in this room who has let go of their dream because they lost it one time. Father, in the name of Jesus, restore what has been lost. Church, if you're here today, we don't do this often. But if that's you, some aspect of you has given up on something because you lost at one point in time. I believe that God has sent you here today and me here today with a message strictly and straight from heaven to tell you that you don't have to give up on that. You can run it again. And so if that's you, I wanna pray for you right now that God would give you the boldness to run it again. So God, right now, I just pray over every person in this room who has let go on the inside of something great, a promise that you've made, a purpose that you've given, God. And I pray that you speak life back into lifeless places. You speak hope back into hopeless environments. You restore joy into joyless hearts. And that, God, you would move the way only you can move. We thank you today and we love you. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed in this place. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I, I, I mean, Brad, I, I, I want what God has for me. But more importantly, I acknowledge that before I need something from God, I just need God. If you're in this place and you don't know God, maybe you know about God, but you don't know God. But you say, I'm ready for my sins to be wiped away through what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm ready for a fresh start in him. If that's you today, right where you sit, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. But I wanna pray with you today. You're ready to run it again. This time with God on your side, right where you're sitting. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, pastor. I'm ready, Brad, to run it again. I want God on my side. I want a fresh start. Awesome, yes. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Yes. Say, that's me, Brad. I'm ready for a new start. I'm ready for that beginning. Awesome, yes. He's giving it to you right now. There's a new beginning right now. Those of you that are raising your hand right now, God is doing it in your life. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer together and this prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is putting words to the actions of your heart that says you're putting your faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he paid for your sins so that today you can have a fresh start. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're, I'm gonna have you repeat after me. The whole church is gonna pray with you so you're not praying by yourself, all right? Let's pray this together, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me 
Forgive you of my sins. Forgive you of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that pray that. Perhaps for the first time, we celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.